This to make it 28 to 3. Arthur Blank loving it. Up by 25. Tossed away. He's in. What a comeback. All right, you're listening to another episode of the 28 to 3 podcast. I'm Corey. I'm here with Max and Nick. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. The Saints just wrapped up their mini camp, uh, being their final offseason activity. You know, we talked about OTAs uh, a couple episodes ago. And, uh, you know, lots to see in mini camp. A lot, you know, a lot of guys showing up. Obviously, this one was mandatory. A um, bunch of key observations from this one. Uh, lots to take away. Max, you know, what do you think was your one of your biggest takeaways from, from minicamp? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is hearing that this year's camp was run, I guess, a lot tighter than the year before. You know, there was a lot of reports last year about how things were a little more lackadaisical as compared to the previous years under Sean Payton. So it was to me, it was really encouraging to hear that uh, Dennis Allen was a little more assertive in his second year as coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked all those reports for sure. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last episode. You know, the, the difference that a QB who's just more in the mold of that overall team leader exudes confidence. Guys see that. Guys gravitate to it. And, uh, you know, Dennis Allen said it, and it's obvious, but, you know, QB is the most important position on the field. So when your dude at that position is somebody that people have confidence in, um, it changes everything. And, and, you know, I think it's important too. you compare it to last year, obviously, when, you know, it was the Jameis versus Taysom battle. And, you know. Well, no, last year there wasn't a battle. That was the year before. Last year it was just Jameis going in as a starter. Well, yeah, Jameis, you still had people saying Taysom could add they wanted like a split you know there's that contingent of people that wanted some sort of split but the key difference here is 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 you know Carr's just a different dude and and it's not to say that there's a knock on Jameis it's just that Carr's just a completely different player well and it's also a non-issue at this point because Jameis is the clear-cut defined backup quarterback you know and we covered it pretty pretty well in the last episode talking about how Derek Carr impressed us all with just being locked in you know, taking command of the offense, telling the guys what they need to be, and just adjusting the calls at the line. You know, when they have the uh, the center doing it the last couple of years, that's a bad sign. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And maybe it's like the the guilt in us that, like, or at least maybe from my perspective, you know, Jameis was like such a good dude. You know, he just think, he's so endearing at times. But the, but again, like, you can have a, a funny QB, uh, a guy that everyone loves to hang out with and go go spear fishing with but is that winning new games yeah (laughs) you don't win super bowl right exactly he you know i think we saw a lot of this come out you know multiple you know social media posts about how it's hard not to like Jameis. everybody loves Jameis. the dancing the the kind of funny quotes that we always get out of him eating the w's man eat the w (laughs) um but the reality is he was not a leader and it's something that you know, Max and I, when we signed him, Max was a big fan of his in college because Max always followed Florida State since we were kids. And um, he was a big fan, won a national championship there. Um, but when you when you see all those, 
you know, all the trouble he ran into there, which were all minor things and in, in, for the most part, other than maybe the Uber driver situation. Most of them are just college kid stuff, but that kind of stuff is not leadership quality. Yeah. And you start to see it there. He was always about having a good time, playing around, and that, for the most part in the NFL, just doesn't resonate real well sure. to winning. Um, you know, he put up monster numbers. He's obviously a crazy talent, but getting everybody marching in the same direction is a different skill set, and I just don't know if he had that. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, I mean, I don't think we need to veer too far into the uh, the Jameis conversation. You know, we all agree that he's a fun guy to have on the team. We, we love the energy he brings, but at the end of the day, he's QB2 at this point, and it's a clearly defined QB2. Yeah. Like, there is no competition. Yeah, Carr's not getting benched. Yeah, and it's one of those things where if if it was – someone who didn't get as many people to root for him like people really i think were hoping that they would see Jameis turn into that leader mold well, we all QB. Were. that's what i, I mean. mean so like yeah. if it wasn't for that longing that like people got behind him you know if he was just kind of like a a, a draft pick that went sour or just like a free agent signing turned turned like turned bad just a regular run-of-the-mill guy well look, didn't he, pan let's, out. let's be real he was always a lottery ticket we yeah. signed him at his lowest point and the hope was that sean payton could work his magic on him yeah. and obviously in that first year or i guess his technically his second year with the team you know he put up respectable stats and that was more with sean payton basically acting as a governor to Jameis's natural instincts of just flinging the ball. We weren't throwing the ball, let's be honest, though. We were not a passing team. That that offense was just terrible to watch. We were still withheld. So that's a good segue into another thing I saw at a minicamp. You don't see him up at the podium hardly ever, but uh, I'm going to get into Pete Carmichael. You know, I know the last time we brought him up, it brought up a big-ass debate between (laughs) Nick and I. But uh, Max and I, we were, we were talking about this one particular sportscaster, Doug Mouton, on Channel 4. You know, he's just been around for a while. He's always positive. He's always smiling, like, at every story. But I do think he's one of those local dudes who kind of, like, just gets the story. He he was interviewing Carmichael on the sideline after one of the minicamp practices this past week. And I, I feel like anytime you hear Carmichael actually talk, it's like, well, the dude, the dude can talk. But... I gotta be honest, I don't think I've ever heard him talk. Right. <laughs> and so I was just like glued to the TV, like, wow, oh, that's, that's right, that is what he sounds like. Did he get your juices flowing? Well, I don't know about juices, that's a little personal. You're coming there, Max, around a little but, bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but he did get into one thing was interesting. He admitted fault with failing to uh, or use Alvin? Use, not Alvin, but, but Taysom. He admitted that there were some some looks and some different things he in hindsight could have done with Taysom that they probably should have tried more last year. And that was brought on by a question of, uh, of Mouton saying, Hey, we've seen Taysom kind of put on the red Jersey one day, put on the black Jersey the other day. Are you, is that a thing you're trying to do to put, give him more looks, different, uh, options. And he did say that there's probably more that we could have done with him as a pass catcher that we did not do last year. So I thought that was interesting that he just straight but up One went, of the biggest plays of the straight up couple biggest plays of the year, him dropping passes right in his hand. So I don't want to see him as a pass catcher that much anymore. Now that we have signed, we brought Juwan back, we brought yeah. Moreau back, we've got the running backs. We, you know, Alvin's going to be in the pass game with Carr way more than last yeah. year. I don't know that I want that. 
Downhill is where I want Taysom because he is special at that. My take on it. Yeah, was, I'm with Nick on that. I don't want him. I don't want him out as a uh, you know the, the wide receiver we're depending on to catch a fourth and ten to to win the game or keep yeah. us in the game. The my take on it was that he's had more time to decide and evaluate different ways of getting him involved as a pass catcher. I think I think what you saw last year was a lack of planning and game planning on how do we get him out in the open. And when we did throw it to him in, in, in those particular situations, it was kind of a, well, we have this in our playbook. We didn't really run an extensive install on it. We're just going to do it because they're not going to be expecting it. And you saw the result. But that's I think a lot if of speculation have, on the install. We have no clue what the install we don't was. We don't know, but I think at least hearing him admit that he didn't do as much as he thought he could have last year in doing it. And I don't want to get off on a tangent completely on but no, Taysom. this is a good topic because but, he was a big point last year where a lot of Saints fans felt he should have gotten the ball a lot more. Yeah. Um, I'm in that camp, but he should have been as a runner. Right. But I also, but, I think there's something we have to accept about Taysom and that he was 32 last year. He's going to be 33 this true. year, I believe. How much can we use him without losing him? Because he got yeah. dinged up again last year. He got dinged up a little bit the year before. How? What number is that going to be for us this year without losing him for multiple games? Right. Because he can be. We've all seen it. When he he has that game or two every year. Yeah. Last year was that run, rushing game where he went 100 yards and just destroyed him. What yeah. game was that? I think the Falcons game. Right. Falcons, he just. I mean, it was unbelievable. He just took over the game by himself. So how much can we get from him using the creativity? I'd like to see less touches, more creative. Piggybacking with Corey. You know what, though? That's a good point. Because you also have to factor in the fact that he is a core member of all of the special teams, whether it's, you know, blocking or whether it's, uh, you know, you've seen him rush the uh, the punter multiple times and come within a hair of blocking. He's probably the best in the league at that. He's probably the best in the league. (laughs) Exactly. He plays, you know, kick returns. He plays all of that. And that takes a toll. I think what. To me, he's he's more valuable in special teams and occasional like goal line. Yeah, put him in at fullback and and uh, you know have him and Jamal Williams in the backfield or you know with a car and just because you know he's not going to dodge any hits. No, he's not. His head's going down. His shoulders are going well, straight the, through a guy. What I, what I hope Carmichael meant because you're right, Nick. We don't know what they did last year and install what they're installing this year. Besides the fact that he's wearing two different colored jerseys, what I hope Carmichael meant was that he's taking more time to figure out how to best utilize him as opposed to you know just having him available for the trick play action chuck it down to him deep because no one is expecting it versus like you know Carmichael and then Sean Payton when he was here they kind of invented or just made commonplace the pass that is essentially a run you know like the five yard slant like the quick out, you know, you're throwing the ball, yes, but it's such a high completion throw that it's essentially a run play. So I want to see. I would hope that Carmichael means we'll see more of the situational passes to Taysom as opposed to things he's not good at. And as far as him running the ball, I'm fine with it. But again, I want to see more creativity in how we get him the ball in a handoff because it got to the point. I mean, like the secret on Taysom Hill is out. You know, we're not three years removed in the. We're not three years in the past. Where it's like, oh God, like they put number seven in a tailback. Uh, every t- I feel like every time we ran power, and I'm sure this isn't totally correct, but every time we ran the Taysom Hill power, yeah, it got us a yard sometimes. But teams are just like they're running power. Right. There's Taysom. There's that formation. I'm okay with that on short yards. Big. I plays, am too. Like when we need it. Um, short yardage because he was really good. Well, look, here's the deal. We started off in the first five games. 
He had five touchdowns, about 200 and roughly 238 yards, and was averaging damn near like nine yards a carry. He had two touchdowns the rest of the way yeah. because we completely stopped using him yeah, that's, the way we were using him in the first five games. And that's reprehensible. Yeah, it is. That's not. Well, he did get some goal line carries that he didn't convert, if you remember. 49ers. There's a couple, one, but. He dropped a touchdown in the end zone. There, there was a little more to that. I agree. We went through, I think it was more midseason where we got away from him a little bit. And then we started to come back with him trying to finish out games yeah. towards the end well, of the season. After five games, his production fell off a cliff. Yeah. There, well, a, was he dinged up? That's the other thing he was, we don't Well, know. he was definitely dinged up. But there's a point where I just felt like we, we force the. Taysom Hill power play. That's that's the only did. stick with him. And because, but it's fine if you can force it if you have like the Saints 2009 offensive line. Like you could run that play every play of the game and and be like an old you know wing T offense. But the but other part with about this offensive line, it, it's it's going to fail more times than it's going to work. The other part that we did mention is that there was a, a period of time in the middle of the season where Jameis was out and he was our backup quarterback. Meaning yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a meaning good point. they're gonna pull back those touches for sure, just in case something happens to Andy. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah. One last thing on Taysom before we move on. Even in the Peyton area era, Corey, were you a fan of that Taysom drop back and chuck it play? Because I hated it the whole time. <laughs> like when he, he didn't. Per- when he pretended to be a quarterback, it infuriated yeah. me when Peyton <laughs> would take the ball out no. of Breeze's hand right. for a pass. And that's where I'm at now. He, he let Thomas Morstead throw the ball in a key situation that lost his game. The funny part about that play, he didn't know it wasn't pass interference on a punt formation. On the Peyton no, was yeah. arguing the call, and he did not know the no, rule. I, but um, I don't want to see any of that again. I didn't want to see it with Drew. When you have Drew, I'm even cars nowhere near Drew. But when you have a car. Yeah. Car needs to be throwing the ball. I'm fine when you're doing it when there's Jameis or Simeon or one of those clowns, Andy Dalton. That's fine. If or, it's Breeze or Carr, get Taysom the fuck out of the way when it comes to passing. Depending yeah. on the, the defense you're playing, like maybe it's the Colts or I'm trying to think of a team with like, you know, a, a defensive backfield that rivals ours and you're in a goal line type formation, you've already... I'm whipped, fine with that. I'm talking about the deep like, ball. No, he's no. talking about the deep ball. If you're between the like, 20s and you're throwing the deep ball with Taysom, then you've failed. It doesn't make any sense. Like your entire game... I don't care if you win the game. You have it's failed. It's the weakest part of I his even, game as a quarterback. Well, I'm fine with the shock pass here and there. He throws a slant instead of doing the power. Like you said, fake the power. Yeah. Slam a, pe- uh, a slant right in there. Tebow jump pass. Yeah, Tebow <laughs> jump pass in the goal line. Yeah, I'm fine with all that. The Tebow pass, that's fine. Yeah. But I think yeah. what we're all on the same page with is when you guys remember to play Jameis was in, came in, threw like a 70-yard touchdown, pass interference, gets called back. They bring Taysom in to throw the ball the next play. He yeah. launches a 40-yard pass. It's 10 yards under thrown. Minimum 10 off. yards. Probably 20 yards. One of the worst play. passes I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and he so, did that in a breeze game is too. He came in through the under yeah, through the ball by yeah. 20 yards. We're, we're about to get off this topic, okay. but but Keep but, going. but the only thing worse I'll, I'll finish with this. The only thing worse than him actually throwing that chuck pass is plays where they he throws the chuck pass and the original QB is still on the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah, plays where yeah. Breeze lined up as a wide out and you're just, oh my god. I get, anyway, but I digress. So what what you got next, Max? Yeah, I, and one thing I found interesting about uh, minicamp was that we brought in a few more wide receivers, uh, Lynn Bowden and Kiki Kuti, Kute, not sure how to say his name. Um, I think uh, that's showing that they're still not settled on the current wide receiver situation. Yeah. You know, read into that as you will. Is that more, I guess, concerned about Michael Thomas's recovery, or is that looking at the uh, the bottom half of the roster? You know, either way, it shows that they're still looking for wide receivers. So is Hunter Renfro 
Let's get your opinions on that. You know, I mean, what do we think about a possible trade for Hunter Renfro? Let me start it with, I think, an ideal trade, and, you, you know, probably won't happen, but Raiders, possibly in a quarterback issue with uh, Jimmy GQ's health. You know, Garoppolo is banged up. There was talk about he couldn't even pass his physical and, and he, uh, the special terms of the contract. Throw them Jameis. Banged up. Give, or- give, give them Jameis yeah. and give us Renfro and just make everybody happy. You know, because right now with Jameis taking up these uh, these these valuable reps, Jake Hayner's not getting any any reps. You've already got Taysom still getting reps at quarterback. He's shown that he can come in and for a couple games here and there, you know, and and play quarterback and just hold it down a little bit. He's not going to go win a game for you, but I I would like to see him trade Jameis, get Renfro. There's a bit of insecurity I have, even knowing how Jameis is versus how different Jameis is than Carr. I mean, we saw. Jameis' tendencies at QB the past two years when he's starting versus the type of QB Carr is. And Carr obviously fits in better with the more West Coast-style system that Carmichael has. But Jameis, even his experience still gives me a little bit of a security. I feel like there's more of a safety net blanket than if you have only Hayner there. So that's my only trepidation on that. I'm going to tell you, the one thing that worries me about having Jameis on the team is the second Carr has a bad game, a subpar game. We'll say he throws mm. three interceptions in a game. See where you're going with this. The quote-unquote Jameis Hive that has been mobilized mm-hmm. on Twitter by Jameis One of One. Yeah, I've seen that guy. He's got a whole one book. of the most deranged fucking people <laughs> I've ever seen on Twitter, which is saying something. I'm waiting for him to show up on a My Pillow commercial. But he has, yeah, exactly. He has <laughs> he has his alternate Twitter handle. Shit. <laughs> we he, figured out dude, the burner account. This dude has stirred up. He's plugging it right now. This dude has stirred up Saints Twitter like you would not believe when it comes to Jameis. And that's why there are so many people that are just diehard. He hasn't gotten a fair shot. He's getting he people to buy this it. And that and that. What happens when Carr throws three interceptions against the Falcons in the first game? It does not matter. He's mm. not getting benched. I, no, no, no. Yeah. Come out. Come out. I'm not saying he's getting benched. I know he's not getting benched. It's gonna but be, the noise that it's, it's going to be fucking unbearable yeah, from these cares? idiots. It's going to be annoying as shit. It's It'll be, be annoying. annoying, but who cares? Um, I'm totally well, fine with shit, dude. Because Jameis, in my opinion, we already have vetted it out that we're not going anywhere with Jameis. So if Carr gets hurt, we're done. Yeah. yeah in my opinion. Uh, I can you can make a case if Carr's hurt for two games, maybe we're better with Jameis than Taysom or Hayner or whatever combo that looks like. Yeah, maybe that's true. If yeah. we lose Carr for the season, I don't. F- I think our season's over, yeah, even that's with Jameis. Yeah, because I like Jameis as that safety net for like an extended period of time. Because I think yeah, Hayner seems. Do you? Well, I mean, what have we seen over an extended period that says he's going to be good for an extended period? I just, I just feel better about having the guy so who's what do you got think? more games under his belt than a rookie, just as, as a general no, premise. That's, that's fair, coming like, from that perspective. But, but, for, wait, wait, if, but again, that's if we're talking hold on, hold on. about... But what what's in, the height of Jameis if that happens in your mind? What's yeah. his height for us? I mean, look, Jameis has always been a guy with a huge amount of potential. So if you're talking about the height of Jameis, I think... But he's never made the playoffs as a starter. He's never won a playoff game, obviously, by default. How, what do you think his ceiling is? I mean, he was on some good Tampa teams. I think his Those ceiling... Those teams were talented. I do think... Look, I I think Jameis' ceiling is what we saw out of Geno Smith last year. I do. I mean, because he's surrounded by a much better team with the Saints than he Wait, ever do, was. Wait, what was, we saw last year? So more interceptions and touchdowns? Leading the team to the playoffs, right? He didn't lead a team to the playoffs. Did they make the playoffs? He's talking about He Gino. just got finished telling you Jameis has never made the playoffs. No, Gino, no, Gino Smith. He's talking about oh, Gino. Gino Smith. I'm sorry. I think what you saw to Gino Smith last year 
I mean, is the height in? They weren't a threat. He was terrible in the playoffs. But so that's what I mean. Like he can. He get was bad in the back you, half of the season. Yeah, he, he can get you to the playoffs. He can look good. He can look great certain games. But overall, yeah, no, he's not going to be the guy that makes you even contemplate keeping him as your starter into the next season. So I'm a little, so, I'm a little probably way too far with this. But like, I believe if there is no chance for you winning. Don't play. Why, Why are you play keeping you? a guy that's just going to make you mediocre? Yeah. Try and get better elsewhere. Yeah. It get seems, someone else's chance, if nothing else. Or if Ranfo makes us better when we have a chance, if we think we have a chance with Carr, that's better than a backup plan, Jameis, who we know we're not going far enough. And you know what? To your point that you just made, I'm going to do a callback to the draft episode and, and what you were saying about us drafting Jake Hayner, and you didn't like it because you said, you know, with that fourth round pick, Go get someone who might have a chance right. to impact this season. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, piggyback on that point and say if we think we you and I definitely feel that we're not going anywhere if Jameis has to play meaningful snaps this year. So to that end, go get the guy who can impact the team in a positive way in Renfro. Yeah, go get a guy yep. who can impact 17 games rather than if an injury happens, we got a guy who can fill in for two games. Right. Yeah, I think that's bigger in the grand scheme of, of trying to, if your ultimate goal is to win. Now, I think that's our ultimate goal right now. I don't think we're rebuilding. We're not. No. So why not push those chips in? I mean, get somebody. Dennis Allen's at the, at, the, at the table, and he has pushed all of his chips in on this team. He's got his guys in, his coaches. He's got his quarterback in. He's got yeah. his people in the building. I mean, he's all in. This is no rebuild. Yeah. Like, he brought his own knives into the kitchen to cook this yep. season. I think we all agree. <laughs> this is like a... Uh, the car contract is very clear that this is a two-year trial. Yeah. We're giving all the old guys that have been so great for us for many years, look, yeah. we're giving you the best thing we can get you right now. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, Demario, Cam, all you guys, we've got a quarterback that can win games. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can, if this roster is good enough to yeah. do something special. Yeah, so to bring that back, I say, like, yeah, throw in another Las Vegas Raider here. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> bring, in, bring in Renfro. Um, and um, load it up, man. Load it up. Yeah, all the I mean, wide receivers. At the end of the day, it's the cost benefit. The benefit of Renfro greatly outweighs the cost of not having Jameis as your safety net because the margin between Jameis and Hayner, you know, you, you got to go for Renfro. But um, you know, the other side of the coin but is, probably, is like if you're trying to do, I, I'd rather see if Hayner can be Brock Purdy as opposed to see Jameis. What I know he is. I'm going to say this real quick, and it's not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking you on that, Max, because you're not the only one, but. I'm going to be honest. I'm tired of hearing Hayner and Purdy. If I'm Jake Hayner, and it's like every every single person is like, Jake Hayner, Brock Purdy. Could be Brock Purdy. Jake Hayner, he could be Brock so Purdy. So it's a bad thing to be compared to him? I think we don't know. Like We don't the know. The dude played well for how long? But I mean, right. like it's just like late round, short white dude, QB that could possibly surprisingly win games. Oh, you're Brock Purdy. Like Brock no, Purdy is no, an adjective no, 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 no. at this it, it, point. It's two smaller framed. QBs, late round QBs, mid to late round QBs who are smart and accurate. Brock Purdy, if you don't remember, the only thing you said said differently is Brock Purdy going into his senior year (laughs) was actually considered to be one of the top quarterbacks going into his senior year. I'm just saying, like. So it's not a bad thing to be compared to him. He fell in the draft. He's a little bit smaller, just like Hayner. So it's not a bad thing to be compared to him. Bad thing? I'm just tired of, like, the cop out. Like, just say Jake Hayner, like, it's Pause like you real quick. again. It's like how many Brock Purdy's have worked out that we talk about a leader, a smart, undersized. You know, let's go just yeah. go through the Georgia Taylor quarterbacks. Heineken. He can give yeah. you five of them that <laughs> yep. have been that in the past fifteen years. Bennett Murray Purdy Fromm. is a one of one most likely. There just aren't many. Oh yeah, for sure. So 
I mean, you know, obviously where Brady was drafted, but well, Brady was not an undersized quarterback. He was an underused quarterback. In I'm going to throw this comparison out there it, for Like, ill-used, like, improperly. To, me, yeah. to me, the ceiling for Purdy, and, you know, and I'm going to ask you, too, if you would complain if this came to fruition, is Kirk Cousins. The Redskins mm. at the time drafted RG3 with, what, the second pick in the draft. In right. the fourth round, I think it was the fourth, I'll double-check it, they picked Kirk Cousins as almost like a, eh, he'll be the backup to RG3 for the career, whatever. He turns into be their Cousins guy. ends up being a way better quarterback than RG3 ever was. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, there's worse things than picking Kirk Cousins in the fourth well, round. Yeah, it was the you like well, that game that he came out. It's a great, that was a Remember great he came game. Into the tunnel, he's like, you like that? Give me your second and third of those in the last 15 years. There just aren't many. There's not many of them. And I'm I'm still waiting to, like, neither of these guys that y'all are mentioning are clear-cut playoff Content like winners, Super Bowl contenders. Cousins the last two years. I agree, but Corey's right. But but what does he do? The for only you two at the end of the season, like at the in the playoffs. I mean, Kirk Cousins has not proven to be a. In, in a all fairness to Purdy, sure he, he fucked his elbow up, and we don't know what would have happened. He but also I mean, came into a perfect situation on an elite roster with the perfect yeah, without coach, question one of the best offensive without coaches question. in the so, league. But in the last say twenty years, the only two that come to mind that you can say have had playoff success that are mid to late round quarterbacks are Brady and Russ. Mm-hmm. Is there a third? This is a very hard thing to do. No, it's a very hard thing to do. But my point is, I'd rather take a chance on uh, Jake Hayner being one of those two guys as opposed to rehashing Jameis for the umpteenth time. I say throw him in there and see what he's got. I agree exactly. with that. 100%. I'll put a pin on this real quick. That's, that's all my point. I'm not saying Hayner's either of them. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine with taking a chance on Hayner. Let's just not call him Brock Purdy. I yet. think Corey would rather see Jameis in there at that point because he thinks he would get I a better chance. I don't think either of them go in there. I think they go with Taysom in that situation. Just probably so. Yeah, I think that's what they end up doing. If they think we're trying to win, if they're trying to see what they have in Hayner, maybe. If, if so, it's so to depends, your point, depends on how if, healthy the no, no. Is. To your so, point, and history supports that because every time uh, Breeze got hurt or someone gets hurt, Taysom was always the first man up until last year with Andy Dalton. To your point, for why the, the fuck year. do we have Jameis on the roster? Teddy came in. Huh? Why do we have Jameis on the roster if that's probably the case? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Go ahead and train him for Renfro. And my main and, and, point and, and, is that because yeah. you, I think you know his ceiling or have a good idea of his ceiling, yeah. and that's not good enough. It's so. not that much higher than whatever Hayner can do right. at the end of the year. And also, you know, front office standpoint, you're doing Jameis a solid. You know, if you get him out that of here, it doesn't fucking matter, dude. No I know one, it doesn't matter, but it I'm, doesn't matter. I'm talking about it. I think I think it's nice. I think it's good. Okay, great. It, hunky dory. It's fucking nice. It doesn't yeah. matter. It does matter. The front yeah. office does not give a fuck about doing a solid to Jameis. I'm not they saying They would not have put him they... on the field with a quote-unquote broken back and a fucked up tendon in his ankle. They would not have put him on the field if they were intent on doing him a solid. I'm not saying they do or don't give a fuck. I'm saying I think it would do him a solid if they got him to a place where he has a better chance of playing. It would be better for Jameis' career anyway. Yeah. That's not a... That doesn't win. That's definitely a priority yeah. on their list. And it's, I think the other part of this is Jameis is gone next saying. year anyway, so get something. He's just gone next year. Like, that, that's gone. the biggest point. Jameis is gone next year, get something. Get something. Now look, we talked way too fucking much about the number two backup quarterback on the team. Um, let's talk more about, let's say, offensive line. They signed Billy Price. I like that move. I love that move. I think he was a first-round pick a couple years ago um, as a center from Ohio State, the Saints farm team. We need the depth. We need the depth desperately. You yeah. know, we've talked about the uh, the offensive line and how basically the whole season from what their, their perspective play, hinges huh? on can they stay healthy. Now, I haven't looked too much into him, but do you what do other, you see Can he play him? multiple positions? That's what I, was say, that's like, a, I think he can play guard as well, but he's predominantly a center. If he can play guard, that's big because we all know what Pete does and – 
you know, so having something extra there is is good. I don't know much about him, so I'll just trust that. Yeah, I know he was drafted high and all that, but I think uh, another thing to look out for first round pick in twenty eighteen. Okay, so he's been in the league five years. So he finished his rookie contract and they didn't bring him back? Yeah, he's 28 years old. The other interesting uh, observation Did he start a lot? Was, oh, God. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's he started. No, he started, yeah. Yeah, he started a few, a few games. Because, um, yeah, I mean, the offensive line. He was with the Bengals till last year. And they declined the option. And he went to the Giants and then to the Raiders and the Cardinals and then us. So, oh, jeez. Yeah, okay. the point is we, we need the depth. And we need depth pieces that can actually... Well, death come pieces and, that have played snaps. That's what I mean. Big. Can actually yeah. come in and be competent. Yeah. Uh, that aren't deer in headlights. Uh, the other observation, you know, a lot made about Alante Taylor doing so much time in the nickel uh, and then Adebo being exclusively or mostly on the outside. I, I, I'm waiting to train till training camp to see how much we can make of this at this. I mean, it's certainly interesting. We've talked about how good Alante could be in more of a nickel slot or floater role as opposed to being exclusively outside um i'm, I'm still gonna wait till training camp plays out to make a conclusion on on is well, that his my role stance now on that but is well, it's i think that's more a knock against adebo than it is um a one-trick pony he's outside only right. he's always Adebo's a one-trick yeah. pony that's what i think and they're trying to see if alante how he fits in there you know, yeah. he's a big, tall guy. I, I don't know well, if that's... You brought it up saying that in an ideal world, you get Alante at a safety like position. Playing center a couple field. of pods ago. Give Alante freedom, and he's going to yeah. make plays. Yeah. I just believe that. I think, you you know, we were talking about in previous, you know, episodes where what we've been lacking is turnovers under Dennis Allen. I think if you let Alante and, and Matthew have freedom and run wild back there... You're going to see turnovers happen. Yeah, they complement each other. Yeah. Agree. I just, I would love to see that in some form. However, they do it, I don't really want him in the slot. I don't think that's where he's best. I'd I rather drop Matthew in the slot and let Alante drop off. I, yeah. So, I think they're trying to more see what they have in Alante than they are trying to say, you know, yeah, Adebo's. I just think Adebo's an outside corner. I he, think that's he is. He is what he is. Yeah. And look, he's, he's got and the potential fine. to be yeah. a really good one. Right. Yeah. Well, how about Jordan Howden, the rookie? who they've been flirting around some Marcus Williams comps. Not as much, I guess, range and athletic ability because Marcus Williams, if we're being honest, was is a physical freak for a free sure. safety position. But they were talking about Howden and his smarts yeah. and just knowing where to be and just having a knack for being in the right place at the right I time. It's a, and look, if, yep. if Dennis Allen and, and uh, Jeff Ireland have shown us anything over the last, years, last few years, Jeff Ireland knows how to pick defensive backs and Dennis Allen knows how to coach defensive backs mm-hmm. so to me the most intriguing pick from this past draft right now is Jordan Howden yeah like I think he could end up being a, a diamond in the rough and him being a you know mid to later round pick um it's it fits with the Saints mold of, of drafting that position of looking to the under the I'm sorry upperclassmen versus you know the underclassmen they might look to in the early rounds because you get you get guys like that who have the smarts um you know Howden when he came to when he started Minnesota, wasn't coming in as a starter. He earned his spot there and ended yeah. up playing every becoming a four year starter at Minnesota. Maybe it was five with the the COVID retro year, but uh, I think it was five actually. Yeah, and so you know he comes in as like a like a like com- comparable to a vet in my opinion, and so I think that's 
that's fantastic news. Even if it is just a mini camp, he's flashing. Right. I mean, compared to so many other DB late round picks that we've had that have just completely whiffed, if this dude's already has yeah. half of an understanding of the defense to where he's making plays, that's fantastic. I'll, I'll say this: I could, I, I think it's pretty probable that Brzee has the best uh, see, rookie season of all the uh, the rookie defenders, but I think Howden's going to be right up there with him. I disagree. I think this is mini camp stuff. There's just not a place for him in this secondary yet. This is more of a next year thing. It's great to hear that he's done so well. I just there's going to have to be injuries for him to make an impact this year. We are just loaded in the well, back. Well, yeah. if, any, if history's shown us anything, there will be injuries in the secondary. I, I mean, like what I like about it isn't, true, but isn't that have, I think he's going to make an impact. It's that it shows to me that at least we. There's a with better, confidence better, better chance than not that we hit on that draft pick yeah, yeah. and did not whiff. Yeah, which means I think that, that's great. I, if he's playing, I'd rather I'm not my happy. if he, it's a six string dude. Year, I'd rather my six string dude be a guy who could start for another team or play significant time reps for another team than be like some dude where like oh shit when he comes in. I, I think he contributes this year. He's not going to start, but I, I could see him getting some uh, some key snaps by the end of the year. Yeah, maybe, I hope not. Maybe he'll like you know knock a dude over on special teams a few times and have a good. A good pop here and there. Who's but. our top? Who's our top seven in the secondary right now? So Lattimore, obviously, and you got to say, I guess, uh, May, Adibo, Alante, Roby, May, Matthew. I think How many? You're putting him seventh. That's six. There's a there's an argument for seventh. Am I missing anybody? You what? got okay. So the, I would say the contenders for that last that seventh spot. You got Ugo Amadi, who we signed, I think, from the Seahawks, the who Saints apparently was flashing in minicamp as first well. First number and zero. In, uh, Abram. I forgot about Jonathan Abram. Abram. Oh yeah, dude. Abram might not make the team. I hope he makes the team. Meaning, I hope he's good enough to make the team. Right. Not that I'm hoping Jonathan Abram, the person, makes the team. I'm hoping he's good enough because that's. Who needs to be the early down safety? Oh, he's an enforcer. He's a smasher. (laughs) That's the one thing I would say in our secondary we really don't have. Well, time out. We have another guy, potentially the same type of player. From the Titans. Lonnie Johnson. Our guy, guy. Smoke Monday. Smoke, oh, God. Well, hey, Smoke had some snaps with the first team. No, no, that's what I'm saying. We kind of have like a... Look, Smoke is the same kind of player as uh, Jonathan Abram. We have an embarrassment of riches right now. Smoke's a headhunter. So... How many Either can they, way, there's a lot of heads back there. Is all I'm saying. We're going to cut some good players are going to get cut, right? Or uh, do you can you go ahead and flip some of these players for late round picks or another player maybe. if you're going to cut them anyway? There's so a lot of them that probably don't have enough playing experience to do it, unless you're fine with parting with a Roby to do something like that. I mean, Roby's thirty. One thirty-two. He's up there in age. It's man. his like, last year with he, us. If someone would give us something for Roby, I'd be he's open. the one. Okay, you get you take it if somebody. He's the one that's the candidate. Um, and if we start doing stuff like that, then I think this story has more merit. I think right now it's just a mini cam story. It's a guy who came in and doesn't look like an idiot, and that's great. It, it, agree that in at the, from the standpoint of it is too early to anoint him. I am going to say he is he's solidly on my radar as far as uh, I think he's going to be a contributor, but we'll see. It, it's a it good is sign. too early to say one way or the other. It's a good sign. Early signs are good. Yeah. How about yeah. Uh, special teams? We'll bang that out real quick. I know uh, we had the, the kicker battle between Blake Groupie and Will Lutz. Yeah. Uh, from what we're hearing, it looks like Lutz is, is guess, taking a little, solidified his lead. Yeah. Uh, Groupie, as we covered in previous episodes, I think he's a prime candidate to develop some sort of injury and go on uh, he's IR gonna, for the whole year. He's going to jam a pinky toe and go on IR. 
Yeah, he'll get the uh, the redshirt year. Is this Lutz's last year? We talked about this. This before. is Lutz's last yeah, year. Yeah, so he's gone so. next year. We're not giving him the five million a year, whatever it is. Right. Uh, so yeah, and at this point he I can't. I think Max is right. We're he just can't it's not a redshirt. It's a Gillikin move when we had Morstead for the last year. Right. And same it, same situation. Now speaking of Gillikin, we've got the uh, the tatted up Aussie punter from Miami who's already twenty eight years old, Lou Headley. <laughs> Uh, wore no, number 94 at Miami to honor the Rock. Dude's freaking jacked up. But anyway, he, it looks like he's honestly been kind of neck and neck with uh, Gillikin. And let's be real, Gillikin had one good year with us so far. One good year, one bad okay. year. He was last, bad last year was year. horrendous. Uh, so I think that one's more of a competition. The only yeah. the, besides, I mean, besides Morstead, who was you know, kind of like a unicorn as a punter and everything else he did, but the onside kicks, as talented as he was. Tommy Barnhart, no, baby. Barnhart, yeah, he was badass. The only thing I want out of a punter Klaus right now Wilms is just like, please okay, don't. Okay, that's enough time on punters. Please don't shank it. Just don't shank it. Promise me you'll never have that. Just don't shank it at a key moment. I don't. The worst thing times is when you see your time. team punt the ball, and then you see the side judge just keep walking with his hand raised, and he just never stops walking. He just keeps going up, keeps going up, keeps going up. But, you know. Yeah. So I don't think any of us really care about what happens there. It's just I don't know. I think Max is going to get the jersey if the tattered up dude makes his it. His Lutz jersey? No, he's going to get the punter. The, the new punter makes it. I think Max is going to... Move Headley, baby. He's going to get that jersey. Dude, he's rocking, a, he's rocking a weird number. I think he's number 39. Because punters can now oh, wear numbers shit. They between... They can be like college kickers now? Punters can... No, no, no. They can now wear between number 0 and 49. That's so, weird. That's going to yeah. be weird. Groupie was rocking 47 for a minute, but he switched to 19. Which he's obviously going to have to give up for Brock Bowers next year. Well, we'll cover that. Later. Correct. We're selling the farm for that. Ricky Williams type we shit. All right, I think we've kind of covered all the topics for minicamp. Uh, unless there's any big old thing, any anything else y'all have? No, man, I think I we mean, uh, we covered everything on this episode. Yeah, we hell, we even got no one's lot. hurt yet, so it's going no good. <laughs> that's no, that's a good oh, point. I was going, God damn it, Nick, Nick. Good thing no, we got a good. wood. It's over. Minicamp's over. <laughs> Just knocked on the wood, and that, that was purposely on the recording. Okay, so time. this might go another twenty minutes Jesus. because Corey is very, very, very sensitive to the. Uh, Chris Olave sitting out of practice. Rashid Shahid sitting out of practice. He's convinced these guys are fucked because they sat out of practice. No, they're injured I just, prone and they're I, done. After last year. Oh, God. Why should we just not worry when a dude is sore after two days of practice? It's mini camp. I'm scarred from last year, Max. He hasn't fucking practiced. They just started practicing. They might just be wanting to look at all these other receivers because sure they know they, they got to pick look, one or two of them to stay look, on the roster. The, logic, the logical side of me says that's I, a good point. I, I get that's it. Fine. They want to look at other dudes. It's perfectly fine for him to rest. But it's just the fact that, like, just t- don't make up that he's sore. Just say that he's taking a day off. Like, I just hate hearing anything you know injury related said this after last just year. Just to throw a curveball yeah. at you. They did it for me. For this right. podcast. Greg Bensel was We're about to put out the are. press release, and they were about to say nothing. And then Greg Bensel said, you know, those Jesuit dudes are doing a podcast. I saw them at an alum event uh, exactly. a few months ago. That was it. This one guy was really worried about injuries. So Corey, because, we're on the radar. Yeah. So because they got to throw us curveballs. Speaking of on the radar, Gus Cattengill, I was listening to the radio. He did a Something or Nothing the day after we posted our last episode of Something or Nothing. I mean, the, the next day. You think he's listening? He, he stole our shit? He stole your shit. Something or nothing. Great. I mean, come on. Like, earth-shattering type of content that we started. Because Gus did it, it's earth-shattering. I I heard him say the same exact thing we had said the day after we posted our episode. So, yeah, him, Greg Bensel, we're on the radar. All right, let's wrap it up so you can go jerk off. Well, I'm not going to do that. Gus on loop. Gus on loop. (laughs) All right. So, uh, yeah, we covered all the bases here. Uh, Next stop would be 
uh, we don't know. Training camp? It'll be a surprise. Let's see what the next stop is. For well, pods. next stop for our episodes, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of time between now and training camp. But uh, until next time, thank you for listening to another episode of the 28 to 3 podcast. What a comeback!